What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts today, Simon Villanos. And I'm your other co-host, Cody Stoffer. And we're back at it. I know we took a little break there, but, you know, we're back at it. We're covering football. And you know what? We're coming back to the state of Colorado, and we're going to be here uh, for this season because, you know, just being honest, that's where our fan base is. You know, we want to cover Colorado football, and we want to uplift it. If you haven't checked out episode 50, Colorado football, a culture problem, go ahead and check it out. But we're doing our part. This is part of it. And this is our first full season covering all aspects or most aspects of Colorado football. And so for this next month or so, we're basically going to go division by division, class by class. And so there are five classes of Colorado football. I know there is eight man and six man football, I want to say, but uh, we're <laughs> this year we're not going to cover that just yet. Uh, no promises if we will or won't um, in the future, but for now we're going to focus on the major classes here, starting with 1A football. Um, you know, there's some ballers here at, on the 1A level. You know, last year we had Corey Taha from Lyman. You know, that dude, he won like three state championships, broke a million records. Uh, you had Strasburg with their fire, fire offense between Colin Russell, Tristan Graff, AJ Hempel, you know, and a bunch of other teams that we'll talk about soon here as well. But uh, before we get into that, you know, let's recap this last season here. So, Cody, do you want to talk about uh, 1A football and the playoffs and all that, both in, well, okay, so in the fall and kind of in the spring as well? Yeah, we'll, we'll make sure to give the listeners a down low on that, starting with, you know, I'll just read off the fall you know, playoff bracket, eight teams, right? And in the order of seeds, it was Lyman, the one seed, Strasburg, two, Florence, three seed, did a couple of breakdowns on players from there as well. Ray as the fourth seed, North Fork, fifth seed, Centauri, sixth seed, remember that name, Meeker, seventh seed, and Hollyoke, the eighth seed, all returning with some special talent. You had Lyman dispatch Hollyoke 41 to 15, in the opening round, sorry, that's disrespectful. I shouldn't laugh. Uh, 41 to 15 in the opening round. Then Ray beat North Fork pretty bad in the opening round as well, 38 to 13. Strasburg squeaked by Meeker, 36 to 34 in the first round. So you know you had a low seed and Meeker make some noise there, and we'll brush up a little bit on why that is. And then Centauri actually upset the three seed Florence, 20 to 17. In the semifinals, you had Lyman with their closest playoff game, winning 24-14 over Ray. And then Strasburg beat Centauri 27-14. So both those, you know, uh, two-score games. And then Lyman is your defending 1A state champions with a 28-0 win over Strasburg. Simon, what are some thoughts on this fall bracket? Or, you know, is there really any surprises on this that... You know, we we don't see coming, you know, having done our research and talked to some of these players and whatnot. Uh, no, not really. And, you know, Lyman, they are the defending state champions, but not just for this last year, but for the last three years. And so they three-peated um, last year and could potentially four-peat this year, you know. They're not losing that many players. Now, obviously, you have Corey Taha. He is... 
he was one of the biggest stars for that squad. He was like one of their lead receivers. He was one of their best running backs. He could hit. He played linebacker. You know, he did it all for Lyman. And he leading was probably man too. Yep, leading return man. Um, you know, he really did it all for this Lyman squad. He was the definition of a star. Probably, well, he is the what? Okay, not is because he graduated, but he was the face of one a Colorado football. And, you know, he's a baller, and now he's going to go do his thing over at CSU, so we wish him all the best there. But, you know, it was pretty – I would say it was pretty obvious that Lyman was going to win it all. I mean, you had Holyoke. I would think that going into that playoffs, that was a squad that probably could have best, like, defended Lyman, considering they have, you know, three-star linebacker Miles Sprague out there. And then also the state – leader in sacks and Joey Beckner, that big old 6'6", 220-pound linebacker who is over at, I want to say he's over at Mines right now. Um, but I really thought that was a squad that could beat him. <laughs> Obviously not. They lost 41-15. to It was what it was. Ray was kind of a close game, but that's just one of those games where, you know, if you look at the you know, when they scored and uh, watched the actual game. It was just one of those games where Lyman was definitely in control of that game. Uh, it, it was like 14 to 13 or, or something like that in the fourth, but they eventually pulled away just because they are that physical team. Um, really, the only big surprise here, and I want to get your take on it, is Stroudsburg. Obviously, last year, we ranked Tristan Graf as our fifth best running back in the state. And, I, you know, there are a lot of great running backs in the state, but I'm not going to say that he doesn't deserve the spot because dude was a beast. You know, he was a speedster on offense and defense, and he was a big part of this squad, you know, kind of a big part of that big three of Colin Russell and A.J. Hemphill as well. Um, and so, you know, for them to squeak by Meeker, kind of understandable you know and then have a close game against Centauri but for them to lose 28 to 0 to Lyman and I did watch that state championship game um they just couldn't get it going you know I think part of it was like okay these are like at the time they're the two-time defending state champs uh there's definitely a mental block there and you know with a lot of these 1A teams I I can't tell if it's like if there's a huge difference of talent from squad to squad, because before the playoffs, Strasburg was beating everybody by 50 points. If you look at their schedule, you know, their, their closest games were in the playoffs where they, you know, won and lost by more than one or two scores, you know? And so for them to get tested like that, I mean, this was probably their biggest test. And unfortunately it just didn't go the way they wanted to, but them losing 28 to zero was kind of just a big surprise. Um, if you really wanted to, and I said this in my breakdown of Colin Russell, you could put a lot of the blame on him. He threw like two or three interceptions and they weren't like, you know, bad balls or anything. They were just dumb decisions. And that's even worse because <laughs> if they're bad balls then it's like, okay, it happens. But if it's like a bad decision, it's like, okay, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, um, it, it, he definitely got a little bit exposed there. Like Lyman, they, they play great defense. They're known for that. And then they're going to pound you, uh, with the, with the running backs. Cause they have like a million, uh, up the middle or wherever they want. And, you know, they just play a very physical brand. And so, uh, they definitely got Strasburg out of their element there and i feel like there's definitely a mental aspect there uh, when it came to that state championship game cody what did you think about that stage not only that state championship game but the playoffs and the season uh for these 1a fall teams here 
Yeah, so I was going to talk about the Strasbourg game, you know, the championship game. Strasbourg definitely underperformed for the amount of talent that they had. You know, they, you know, all season long, like you said, they were beating teams by like 50 plus points. And I think that an important thing and, you know, probably the biggest difference here was experience and coaching. If I got to be completely honest with you, you know, I mean, Lyman, there, there's a reason that they were back in this state championship in the fall. And, you know, there's really strong reasons for why they may be there again. You know, they've they've been there. They've won there with, you know, now you said three years in a row. So that's three different senior classes. So, you know, that plug and play mentality, that next guy up, obviously they embrace that and it works very well over there at Lyman and, you know, has reaped in a lot of success. And, you know, Strasburg, they they had those talented cats and, you know, they really came into their own. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's reason that they didn't have a ring and Lyman does now. And yeah, Colin Russell, you know, showed, you know, I think Lyman honestly plays on on like a different plane than 1A. You know, I think that they can make a move to 2A probably and oh, yeah. still compete, if not win championships there. So I think that there's a pretty big gap between, you know, just like the experience and, you know, the, the programs, right? Lyman is definitely one of those programs in Colorado that... You know, it's a shame that they're in 1A because a lot of people just don't know how dominant that they are. But they are a very dominant program. I think they actually have the most state titles in, like, Colorado football history with, like, 20, I want to say. So, yes, you know, they have the winning culture. Like, we always talk about the Creeks and the Valors, but Lyman has been doing it the entire time. So, and, and they're still doing it is the important thing. So, you know, that's kind of my reaction to it. Um and then as far as some of these other teams, you know, Florence, I did a breakdown on uh, one of their tight ends and DNs. And, you know, overall, they had a very physical team with like a very strong defense. But, you know, against Centauri, they just kind of got worn down. And we'll talk about Mason Clonch here in a little bit uh, for Centauri, who I'm very excited to, you know, see what he does this season. And, you know, Florence just got worn down. I just don't think that they had the offensive firepower to really compete against even, you know, a Strasburg or a Lyman, honestly. And, you know, some of these other teams, like, we'll, we'll see North Fork on a lot of these other schedules. Like you mentioned, Hollyoke has, I'm pretty sure, the highest rated 1A player right now, if I'm not mistaken, with that yes. three-star linebacker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, Miles Sprague. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them back in the playoffs, you know, if you if you have someone that can dominate like that. But, you know we'll talk about who we think is going to contend but that's kind of my my wrap up on you know this fall one keep your eyes on centauri we'll talk about them a little bit more later do you want me to talk about the spring uh playoff bracket yeah go ahead and uh just so that the listeners out there know you know um so for the spring playoff bracket Basically, we went off the 2A one because there wasn't a 1A division in the spring. They just combined 2A and 1A teams that were left because um, there wasn't like a lot of high schools out there that had football programs still going in the spring, uh, at least on this low of a level. And so pretty much the majority of these squads, except for Manitou Springs, who, by the way, won it all, um, pretty much the majority of them 
were from the 1A level and will play on the 1A level going into this next fall. I think that's important to know uh, just so that y'all know in the future because we are going to do 2A next week, uh, 3A, 4A, 5A, obviously. Uh, you know, a lot of these teams that did play up a division or whatnot will probably play back um, down or up the division that they were assigned to, I want to say one or two years ago, at least according to the alignment and all that stuff that Chassa has put out. And so we're going off of that alignment and then obviously we're checking schedules as well and just seeing like, all right, are there teams, you know, two A teams, one A teams? What's the deal? And so we, we've done our research there. Um, but yeah, go ahead and least, talk about the spring season though. At least however updated Chassa and Max preps. Uh, have it updated so yeah yeah but like simon mentioned manitou springs was the only was actually the only 2a team in the uh 2a bracket this spring the rest were 1a teams including and i'll go through the seeds again number one seed buena vista number two seed Flatirons academy number three seed estes park now manitou springs the only 2a team was the fourth seed in this tournament but uh, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. Then Manual as the five seed, Grand Valley as the six seed, St. Mary's as the seven seed, and the eighth seed was Clear Creek. Clear Creek, um, they snuck in there and they got trounced 49 to zero by Buena Vista. Buena Vista is a contender that we will potentially be talking about here. So you know that's that's the wrap up on clear creek then saint mary's it looks like they probably had to forfeit i'm assuming because of covid would be my guess you know especially in this spring because if you had a COVID outbreak that means that you automatically lost we saw this actually a couple of times i want to say in the spring football uh playoffs where you know it's just a, a forfeit score of two to zero so that was saint mary's and then you have Grand Valley, who lost 40-27 to to Estes Park. Honestly, not a bad loss. And Estes Park is a very interesting team, is what I will say, who, unlike a lot of 1A programs, they like to throw it a lot more than they run it. Um, so we'll see what kind of strides the quarterback makes this year. I think that a lot of Estes' Park success lies on on his arm but he threw a lot of interceptions and he makes a lot of erratic decisions and also they graduated like their top four receivers so that's kind of the dl on estes park and then heading back up uh manitou springs beat manual 42 to 8 in the semis flat irons academy wiped the floor with estes park 41 to 6 forcing a lot of turnovers from that quarterback and also forcing some fumbles from some of their younger backs and then Manitou Springs technically pulls off an upset 20 to 17 against Buena Vista. So, you know, um, they, and then they end up in the state championship and they beat Flatirons Academy 31 to 30. I'm pretty sure it went into double overtime as well, if I'm not mistaken. In the state championship game? Yeah, in the state championship game. Yes, it did. I actually watched that entire game. It was a it was a good one because I didn't know that it was going into double overtime either. So, um, yeah, yeah so, it, surprise, it surprise. Yeah. So congrats to Manitou, but also, you know, I I have some reservations about the state championship win that you know they got for two A, but really in like a one A format. Also, Simon, their only loss that year was to Buena Vista, where they got rocked. So, I don't know. 
I don't know what Buena Vista did to basically blow a chance at winning a state championship in 2A, but I would say that they're going to be back because Buena Vista, and we'll go a bit more in depth, but they're bringing back some serious talent. They didn't graduate too much, too, or too many starters, I should say. You know, what, what do you think of this spring bracket and what kind of impacts do you think that has carrying into fall? Because these players are playing a season sooner than the fall players. Uh, yeah. Different looking off season for sure. No, for sure. For sure. Um, did you say Manitou Springs played Buena Vista twice last year? Yes. And so they won in the playoffs. Okay. So they, they um, won in the playoffs, but they lost their season opener to them. Right. Yeah. And so um, there was actually some. It was, okay. Shout out to the announcers in that uh, Flatirons Academy Manitou Springs game. They're actually very good. They gave a lot of really good insight. And so I feel like I got to shout them out. Also, they're pretty entertaining. And, you know, they did say that Manitou Springs actually had. And this is kind of just a historical thing. And I've kind of known a little bit about it because, like, I live in Colorado Springs. And so I know players and, like, friends who have went to Manitou Springs and played football there. But, you know, they have a lot of basketball players who kind of play football as well. And they've always struggled getting their basketball players to come out and play football because they are their best athletes. And so in that first game, they definitely didn't have, like, their whole squad like the leading receivers a six seven like <laughs> he was a six seven wide receiver 200 pounds played like power forward and you know he went off in that playoff game and also went off against flat irons academy and you just can't go i mean he's six seven bro like you can't you couldn't have guarded him and i think a lot of teams would have had trouble guarding him at least on this 1a level um flat irons they did what they could and i'm gonna i want to kind of shout them out because i don't think we're gonna unfortunately mention them a lot here just because they are just losing just so much um really they're losing their entire backfield losing their lead tackler three starting defensive linemen and in my opinion their biggest loss is their quarterback dubay who who's kind of a beast you know that boy could spin it he could run you know he he was a little mini star for them over there but he was a little star over there and so you know, Flatirons Academy, they're kind of a younger program, haven't been around for a while. I want to say this was like their third or fourth year, at least under this name, I want to say. And so, you know, this is a this is very much a young squad. This was like their first, I guess, group of football players that they've got to develop throughout these um, last three years or so. And they did a good job. And I like the coaching staff, man. I mean, they do they, they coached a pretty as good a game as you possibly could against Manitou Springs. Really, when it came down to it, I believe it came down to a to a fumble on the one yard line um, in double overtime on that on the two point conversion, and you know, it was what it was. I, they marked him down on the one anyways. Um, it was just a quarterback keeper. I thought it was the right call and whatnot um, because he was on fire. Dubay was on fire at that point, but. It was what it was. Manitou Springs won it that way. And that's a very much a that's a that's a heartbreaking loss. So for all the young players on that squad, that's definitely a learning experience. You know, some may call it a, you know, a villain backstory, a little bit of a villain backstory. there, losing to Manitou Springs that way and whatnot. Um, but you know what? It is what it is. I like Flatirons Academy. I don't think they're going to in my opinion, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year because they're just losing so much. And as is, they have one of the smaller rosters 
in 1A. And, you know, in 1A, it's pretty small, but I believe they only had 21, 22 players. A good, almost over half were seniors and whatnot uh, this last year. Um, that's that's hard to replace. You know, that's just, that's, that's real difficult. But, you know, very well-coached team. That's probably a squad that, you know, will take some time to get back to the playoffs um, because I don't know if they are working with the best numbers over there and whatnot. But uh, don't get it twisted. Very good, very well-coached and whatnot for sure. Uh, Buena Vista. I don't know what happened. I kind of thought they were going to win the 1A state championship, but they didn't. And, you know, they are a young team too, though. If anything, I think this year might be the year that they make that step forward. They're not losing a lot of players and whatnot. Um, And they had a lot of young players on that squad, including a sophomore starting quarterback. You know, that that, that's kind of tough. You know, and then you had that wide receiver, Storms, who I want to say was either a sophomore or, or a junior as well. I could look that up real quick. Um, and that's, I mean, I don't know. What could you do about that? So uh, I think inexperience is probably the biggest thing there. But turning around, I think actually playing in the fall, and this goes for all the spring teams for the most part. Uh, in my opinion, Buena Vista is probably um, the best team out of all these teams that played in the spring, but turning around and playing in the fall, I think will be really helpful. It will keep them in rhythm. Like there's no long off season or anything like that. Most of these players are not playing another sport. Um, and if they are, then, you know, I think that might be a bigger concern. Like if there's any players playing baseball, that might be, I think, how should I say this? In my opinion, I think fatigue will be a big, big deal for those players playing baseball, especially if Hayden Camp is playing baseball. I don't know if he is or not, um, but that's kind of a big deal there, you know, um, because basically you're not resting at all. You're going from football right into baseball for almost the entire summer and then back into football training camp and off season. I'd be a little concerned about the fatigue on his arm and all that, especially for a high schooler. Uh, and I think that's a very much I, I don't know. I think that's just very much a, you know, it's a legit concern. How about that? What, what do you think about that, Cody? Well, it, at least on, on Max Preps, it doesn't have them listed playing baseball. So, but also that's Max Preps. So what do they know? Yeah. But, no, I can totally understand that. I mean, baseball is really the only sport that is like going on that I could see not being beneficial. Like if, if you're doing some kind of like running over the summer, I don't think that's a big deal because you're just improving your cardio. But, you know, with the with the arm throwing all year, it could have a little wear and tear. But also, you know, most quarterbacks in the offseason should be throwing a bunch of passes anyway. Um, maybe not like obviously throwing is a bit different in football compared to baseball. But, you know, I think even if he is playing baseball or any of these players are playing baseball, I think they'll be okay because i think you know at least they're still getting their muscles moving and still playing some competition too i i think that you know that's a good thing as well because you know you use your muscles differently when you when you're practicing like certain things or like mechanics and whatnot versus actually competing you know in games with scores so i think that you know that competition will help keep a lot of these players loose and and i know absolutely sorry go ahead I was going to say, I, li- I like these spring teams having less of a gap than than the um, fall teams. Because I think that 
you know, the, I think they'll see a lot less injuries too, um, as long as they weren't overworked during the summer, because it, their their off season is just long enough to like physically recover, but not like physically forget like the motor skills and whatnot that come with football. So. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you know, <laughs> there, there's not a lot of downtime here. So really, there's no excuse for them being out of shape. Like, honestly, how out of shape could you be after a week or two? <laughs> like, I'm just going to be honest with you, you know. Um, I don't know. I think they'll be fine for the most part. Well, okay, I should say this. I think the teams that are returning key or the most key players will be fine. I'm looking at, at a Flatirons Academy that is losing their quarterback, the running backs, linemen. Strasburg. Oh, Strasburg. For, well, Strasburg will be a little bit better because, in my opinion, you know, um, look, you just can't get in those backups as much um, during the season, right? Unless you're just blowing other teams out, which a lot of these teams did. But, you know, even then, that playing time might be a little iffy. The scores might be a little iffy. You don't want to risk the game and all that, especially with a shortened playoffs and, you know, the stakes being higher in literally every single game just because the season was so short. And so uh, I'm looking at a Flatirons Academy specifically that played in the spring and other teams like them that are going to have to make up that time real quick real quick sorry oh oh because... getting those underclassmen ready okay oh, I'm yeah picking up what you're setting down oh yeah because was it shoot was it may that was their state championship game yeah i was say late in the... it was at least april if not may yeah you know late april may so that's you know you got june july so that's two months and then and it's already late august. games in august yeah 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 so <laughs> you got you got two months if that um you know and maybe maybe you can make it work but then you look at a Strasburg whose season ended in December you know they basically have had almost all of 21 these eight months compared to two to you know plug and play players get the next squad ready they know who they were losing I mean, I feel like Strasburg isn't going to struggle as much as Flatirons Academy, you know, um, and it's because they just had six more months. And that's a lot of time, you know, even if you're playing another sport, like that's a lot of time, at least as coaches to be like, OK, like who do I got? You know, I got a month, you know, you could put out a month or two of competition and really figure out who your next guy is. Um, and at this level, you got guys who will need to be doing multiple roles on offense and defense. A lot of the best players play on both sides of the ball, and it's just because you have to, you know. Um, and, you know, you see that kind of uh, throughout the high school levels in Colorado, but it's a must need in in Colorado 1A football for sure. You need guys who can be impacts on both sides, you know, because then you get into all, it's harder figuring out, like, at least in my opinion, when you have smaller numbers, like, all right, here's my offensive unit, here's my defensive unit. But by the way, we only have like 22 play, like, like that sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you don't want to be in that position. So really it's like, all right, who, who's, where's my best athletes? Where could I put them at? And I don't know. I, I have a lot of doubt. And the team's losing, like, starting quarterbacks and backfields and whole offensive lines uh, going into this next fall season that played in the spring. Honestly, I do. I don't – like, I'll be completely honest. Outside of Buena Vista, I don't see a lot of these teams making the playoffs. Well. Is, is that fair? I guess we will see. You know, I, I think <laughs> I think that 
Estes Park uh, might be a team that sneaks in. Definitely not in as a three seed, but maybe as like an eight or seven seed, you know, with that um, junior quarterback that they had. Because while he did throw a lot of picks, he also did throw a lot of touchdowns, and he does have a good arm, and he's pretty athletic. Okay. Um, so I could see Estes Park making a return to the playoffs. But I don't know. Some of these other teams, like, I, I don't even know about Strasburg because their schedule this year is tough. It is kind of brutal, honestly, um, for Strasburg coming up this next year. They face basically all of the other great teams, and, you know, they're replacing a lot of talent, including the number five running back in the state. Go listen to that episode. Yeah. And also another shameless plug. Go ahead and listen to the uh, Corey Taha interview that uh, Simon did. I believe I don't remember what episode it is. Just look up Corey Taha. You'll find it. And Elijah Graham. Elijah Graham's on that one, too. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. CSU, CSU fellas. Yeah. But before we get into contenders and whatnot, do you want to take a quick break here and then we'll come back to contenders, state champions, uh, potentially make our predictions there? Yep. All right. Coming up. So coming up next, you already heard. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner. We're going to talk more about 1A football. This is your 1A Colorado football breakdown for the 2021-2022 season and so we are going to talk about contenders so these are teams that we feel like can make an appearance in the state championship game um each of us decided on some contenders here you know we have some that we agree on as well and then at the end we're going to talk about our pick to win it all in this case and this won't always be the case but in this case we picked the same team to win it all you could probably guess as we go on but we're gonna talk anyways and so i'm gonna start it out i'm picking meeker high school as one of my contenders here uh cody do you want to go ahead and list off their schedule for this next season here yeah, absolutely. And we're going to find out a lot by allow we're going to find out a lot about Meeker here at week 1. They start off playing against Lyman. So, you know, that'll be a very huge indicator on if they're legit or not. You know, if they could put up a very similar fight as they did, you know, against Strasburg or something like that and get a close even if it's a close loss, uh, that increases my confidence in them quite a bit. And then you have Roaring Fork out of Carbondale, Colorado. Then Cedar Ridge, then a huge, huge game against Buena Vista, which is another non-league game. Their two non-league games is are is going to help their RPI quite a bit because you can't get much tougher than Lyman and Buena Vista for non-league games. So I, I think that they make the playoffs almost off of like wins and schedule strength alone. And then you have Grand Valley, North Fork, who was a playoff team last year. I guess Grand Valley was as well. And then Gunnison to close off the season. So, you know, a, a tough enough schedule where if they they finish above 500, they definitely get into the playoffs just based off of RPI alone, probably. Yeah, no, for sure. And honestly, looking at this uh, schedule here as well, you know, I really see Buena Vista and Lyman possibly being their only two losses you know they might drop a game here or there um just you know every, every team has bad games um but you know i i could definitely see losses against bona vista and lyman maybe they steal them but i think this is probably a squad moving forward um that will take some gelling 
to <laughs> to to get going but once they get going don't get it twisted this is definitely a dangerous squad i picked them here as a contender for a reason they're pr they're definitely gonna make the playoffs at least in my opinion and you know they are losing their starting quarterback one of their starting running backs in jeremy woodward um by the way that quarterback ryan uh feeling i want to say i'm gonna go with that and oh Phelan. Phelan, yeah 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 and uh and a couple receivers uh well one receiver spud white and then colby clatterbaugh he was a linebacker and so those four were kind of statistical leaders in their uh respective categories you know obviously passing rushing receiving all that but i don't think that'll affect this team too much and here's why because this is definitely a squad if i had to pick has kind of a sleeper like line you know both offensive and defensive line because like we said this is probably a squad or a lot of these 1a teams will have multiple players playing both sides of the ball if not you know a solid majority right and so um i'm just gonna go ahead and talk about their line first because i think that's their strong point i think this is a line that could dominate uh the trenches on offense like i see a lot of teams just not having the size to just combat this meeker offensive line or just meeker line in general and so on offense i could see them just bulldozing players and running all over them um and then on defense you know they control the point of the attack you know you have a strong defensive line a lot of good things happen you saw what holyoke did with their big old six i keep saying i keep going back and forth between six four and six six i don't know how tall <laughs> um what's his name is uh, Joey Beckner is I keep forgetting I know he's like 222 30 but he's a big dude and so you saw what he was able to do I'll be honest you know he really doesn't have a bag this dude's like Giannis he just kind of runs over people <laughs> and doesn't like he doesn't have a lot of pass rush moves or anything like that but on this level that is enough and so I think this squad is definitely enough. There are two linemen that I'm most interested in. Um, I'm going to go ahead and talk about them. So number one, Zachary Eskelson. He is a class of 22 guy, plays tackle, defensive tackle. Um, in my opinion, one of the more dominant defensive linemen in 1A. He has shown that he can be a one-man wrecking machine. And he actually has some pretty solid pass rushing moves and whatnot. He was second on the team in tackles, along with returning linebacker Connor blunt he's a 23 class of 23 guy i believe he plays outside linebacker and so that's always a good thing to have that um you know to have returning defensive players but zachary eskelson i think he'll be a lot like what spencer hardy was for dakota ridge on the 4a level i want to say um you know just kind of being a faster lineman he's not like the biggest i would say he's like you know six foot 220 so not bad for 1a that's pretty big i would say um so I definitely expect him to have a fantastic season and whatnot. But on the other side of him, now last year he was a younger dude. He started as a sophomore, I want to say, or at least got snaps as a sophomore. But uh, this year, you know, uh, he's a junior, so class of 23, and he's definitely looking to make some moves. He plays tackle, offensive tackle, defensive tackle, and his name is Tanner Muser or Muzzer, I want to say. Um, last year he was 6'2, listed at 240. This year, at least according to Max Preps, and he could totally be lying, but 
he's definitely grown because homeboy is 6'2", 285. That's almost 40 pounds of muscle. You could even take off 15 and I'd be happy with 30 pounds of muscle because he's probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest alignment in all of 1A football. Um, you know, he's returning on that defensive line alongside uh, Eskelson here. And, you know, this could easily be the most dominant defensive line duo in the state this year. Forget 1A. But, you know, in, com in comparison, you know, these two guys are pretty big. You got one guy who's more of a technician. You got the other guy who is brute force. Together, you have two problems in the interior. And I don't know. I've looked at a lot of rosters here. And, you know, if you want to just look at on paper, they don't. A lot of teams don't have dudes multiple dudes who are you know six foot 220 at the least multiple ones and so you'd be lucky to have one one or two maybe but having these two beasts on the interior you know that's big time you got dudes who could you know just thrash down low and then not even that but let's look at some of their class of 24 offensive linemen here these are their listed weights and heights according to max preps from last year so a uh, class of 24 uh dawson wiley offensive defensive lineman he is 6'3 236 pounds you got spencer gates six foot 206 pounds judd harvey 6'1 196 pounds and then uh, jacob uh simonson 6'2 192 pounds you could throw those guys all over, you know, the defense, really. Be like, all right, you play linebacker, you play defensive end. And, you know, you just have size everywhere. You got some dudes who can match those two big boys uh, in the middle. And then, you know, obviously they're going to be pl playing on offense, too, or at least you know, five of them will be playing on offense too. And so at the end of the day, you just have a very physical offensive line on paper um, that just can't be matched. You know, you just, like I said, look at other teams on paper. They don't got more than three dudes who are at two, 200 or 220, I would even say. And so um, Meeker having two guys who are probably over 230, um, Tanner definitely over 230 by 20 pounds, 30 pounds. <laughs> You got a problem. And then, you know, obviously you can have a great line and bad skill players, but they probably have one of the guys who can be player of the year here in um, class of 22 running back. He's a senior, Kelton Turner. He's an electrifying running back who is going to look to take over the backfield as a workhorse. Probably could have taken over last year if he really wanted to or if the coaches wanted to. But, you know, it is what it is. He's a fantastic returner as well. So, you know, he's going to make plays on special teams and score on special teams. And honestly, just whenever this dude gets the ball, he can score. You know, he's a shifty, fast running back who can carry this offense. He catches, you know, he runs the ball obviously really well. Also led the team in interceptions last year with three, along with returning cornerback uh, Trendon Powell, who had three interceptions last year as well. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you got some dudes, you know. Uh, this is almost a squad that you could... <laughs> you could own and i i don't like thinking about this but this is just how colorado football is right but this is almost a squad that you almost don't have to call pass play at all during this game and if it is it should be to kelton turner and no offense to their quarterback but you know homeboy definitely threw like 11 interceptions or something for okay not 11 my bad that, that was a little much he threw seven touchdowns to five interceptions eh, that's not great you know um to be honest, 
if you can't find a JV player that could do that or simulate that, those stats, uh, I don't know. But, you know, this is definitely a squad that will give a lot of teams fits here. For Lyman, I would say this is probably as big a, you know, as big a matchup as it is for Meeker almost because this is definitely a squad that can combat their physicality. Cody, what do you think about Meeker here when all is said and done? I mean, you, you said a lot of it. You know, I really like Turner coming back. You know, he averaged over 10 yards per carry last year. You know, it does stink to lose Woodward, who is actually, you know, the leader of rushing touchdowns last year in that backfield. So, you know, they're going to want to try and fill that void. And it looks like their next, like, their next two top rushers were also seniors. After or their next three top rushers after Turner were all seniors. So, you know, they're going to have to find a way to either either Turner becomes a workhorse and he's getting like 30 carries a game and, you know, like five catches a game, or, you know, you want one of these sophomores or juniors to step it up, which, you know, preferably you'd, you'd want to at least have a second option, especially on this 1A level where it is a lot of handoffs and a lot of between the tackles and a lot of banging in the head. So you see a lot of these really good 1A teams having two strong backs. So I am eager to see who the, the other back is to emerge. But that's not saying that Turner necessarily needs it. You know, like you said, he he's a phenomenal receiver, I think is, you know, something to take away. He was their second leading receiver. So, you know, in that kind of sense, he played a very similar role that Taha did for Lyman being a good, you know, return man and being a good receiving threat and being a good rushing threat. And, you know, so so Turner coming back is huge. And then also on the defensive side of the ball, I wanted to bring up Connor Blunt. You know, he was a sophomore last year, so he'll be a junior this year. And, you know, he was their second leading tackler at that outside linebacker position. And, you know, I think that with a, another year, you know, he just gets bigger. And, you know, your job as a linebacker gets easier, you know, the bigger that your D linemen are. So I think that'll allow him to focus on other areas of his game if he's not, you know, having to do it all, if that makes sense, with his D-line being able to step it up and, you know, push the line of scrimmage backwards. So I could also see Connor Blunt having a great season. You know, as a sophomore, he forced two fumbles, recovered three, and, you know, had, had 41 tackles as a sophomore, which is, you know, a big deal, I think, in that 1A football. And, you know, I think that as long as he improves his physicality, that he could also take strides and be a contributor on the offensive side of the ball as well. And maybe that's where you find your other running back is in that physical linebacker of Connor Blunt. Absolutely. You know, uh, this is definitely a squad that really can't go wrong with their offensive line. Unless they're just not well coached or developed. I, I mean, I don't know. This is definitely a team that should dominate the line of scrimmage and that makes everyone's job easier on offense and defense if you could dominate the line of scrimmage truly like dominate the line of scrimmage it makes it tough you know it makes it tough to uh, stop the run stop the pass and then on defense obviously you know you got that pass rush and then you got two big guys who are just gonna pound the ball carrier every single play and like i said these listed heights and weights at least for those last four linemen that i mentioned those were freshmen like weights and heights, you know, unless Dawson Wiley, Spencer Gates, Judd Harvey, Jacob Simonson did not grow a single inch or gain a single pound between like last year when their season ended and right now in August, 
I don't know. Chances are those four linemen I listed off are definitely bigger. They're stronger. They're faster. And they're going to be a problem. Throw in a fantastic skill player in Kelton Turner. This is definitely a team that could upset a lot of teams. I really don't see this team like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't see this team like like just completely destroying a lot of teams, especially like a Lyman or a Buena Vista. This is a squ- this is a squad that definitely definitely needs to get out up, uh, get out front like real quick in a lot of their games. And if they don't, then they're gonna have some problems trying to like, you know, claw their way back into a game with uh, virtually just the dominant running game. So, you know, there you go. But Meeker, regardless. Probably the best offensive line on paper uh, in the state comparatively. I don't think there are a lot of other lines that are, I don't know, that are just this dominant size-wise. Uh, I don't know. Eden, Vista Ridge, they come to mind, obviously, respectively for their divisions. But uh, I think Meeker definitely takes it. Judd Harvey, what a name for a lineman, by the way, right? Yeah, Dawson Wiley. That is a very lineman esque. <laughs> like they get, they got some country. <laughs> Tanner. That's always a lineman name. Oh, yeah. But anyways, um, if that does it for Meeker, Simon, you mind if I transition us into another contender that I that I like to put forward? Yeah, go ahead. So we talked about him in the you know review of last year. We're going to talk about him for the preview of this upcoming year, and that is Centauri High School out of Lahara, Colorado. And, you know, I got to I gotta be real with you. I can summarize, you know, Centauri's path to victory with two words, or, you know, one name, two words. Mason Clonch, the returning leading scorer for Colorado, I might add, between the amount of touchdowns that he had as well as extra point attempts that he kicked. And, you know, he, he does it all. He can kick, he can return, he can catch and run and he can play defense you know mason clonch is a very strong candidate i think for 1a player of the year and i think that you know any team that can boast that obviously has a very strong chance at contending you know they lost to strasburg last year in the semifinals which is not a bad loss to have in my opinion and they are returning a lot of players and i think most importantly their defense they are returning some of the top tacklers you know, in, in the state with Mason Clonch, who had nearly 100 tackles and over 10 tackles for loss. But just to list off, you know, these these seniors that Centauri's bringing back, they have Mason Clonch with 99, Zach Burr with 91, Danny Brady with 66, Matthias Brown with 66, Baron Holman with 65, and then also Ben Taylor, I think that's how you say that, or Ben Taylor with 60 tackles. So, they are not losing a lot of snaps or tackles on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that that's something that we haven't really seen while dissecting these 1A football teams is that many tackles and snaps returning to the defensive side of the ball. So I think Centauri, you know, I think they had one of the better defenses last year. They're also able to force quite a few interceptions, but they had one of the better defenses last year. And I think that's going to continue this year with, you know, that many snaps returning for you know, all over the field from D-line to linebacker to safety. I think that they take another step forward and they may boast the best defense, at least, you know, maybe the stingiest run defense in all of 1A football. And yeah, I I know that there, there are some question marks here. I'll talk a little bit about the quarterback position. Their quarterback did graduate and they have this young cat by the name of Byron Shawcroft who 
you know, there's not a lot of film on him at the quarterback position. However, I can tell he is an athlete. You know, he has a couple of receptions, so he's played a little bit of wide receiver. He can run a little bit. So, you know, it, it at least at the high school level, especially the 1A level, like it's nice to obviously he you want to take strides with this quarterback and his quarterback play. But when you have somebody like Mason Clonch and also Shawcroft who can both run the ball, you can make it work. You can put up a lot of points and make some serious noise with those two guys. And, you know, just in general, the leading receiver is also returning. So that's huge for Shawcroft, I think, and his development at quarterback. And, you know, they and, and then there's Mason Clonch. There's Mason Clonch, who ran for over a thousand yards on eight yards per carry. And, you know, he can be that workhorse in that win against Florence. He had 36 carries, you know, at, at around three and a half yards a clip, which isn't the best per average. But, you know, in that very tough, grinded out game against a very stiff Florence defensive line, you need somebody like Mason Clonch, who, you know, is going to be reliable. Three yards a carry for four downs is a first down every time is uh, what one of my coaches used to say. And, you know, Centauri's willing to get down and dirty like that. And I think that, you know, their offense also has conducive, you know, pass plays and whatnot. But, you know, like I said, maybe the best player in 1A football, Mason Clonch, is a huge reason why I have Centauri, you know, being a contender this year who can li literally do it all. Literally do it all. Uh, Simon, what are your thoughts on Centauri, the, uh, the football team here? Well, I don't know Centauri the basketball team, so let's go. <laughs> let's go ahead and <laughs> talk about this squad here. Uh, real quick, their schedule for this year. So they open up against Ray, uh, then they go ahead and play Colorado Springs Christian, Pagosa Springs, Stroudsburg, Bayfield Del Norte, Ignacio Center, and Monte Vista. Definitely not the strongest schedule, I would say. I. There's definitely I could definitely see this team going undefeated pretty easily. Like maybe Ray and um, you could throw in Colorado Springs Christian if you want, or two teams that might be a little uh, I don't know. We'll see. But Monte Vista is returning a lot of players as well on the defensive side of the ball and on the offensive side of the ball. They okay. might be returning the exact same team, so maybe that chemistry gives them a, a chance to make a run at Centauri at the end. But Centauri Maybe. was undefeated last season too, so. Yeah, yeah. And so either way, there's not a lot of, like there's not a really a lot of teams on here that I'm like, oh, that's probably a toss-up game or that's a loss here. Like I think they're, I would probably favor them in most of these games here really. So, uh, so yeah, you know, I mean, obviously this is a great squad. Mason Quanch, you know, he is a home run hitter. Also, like you said, led the team in tackles with a 99 last year. And so he's one of those two-way stars that we talked about. The other one, you kind of mentioned him briefly here, but I want to talk about him a little bit more. Baron Holman, the uh, senior cornerback wide receiver. He was their leading receiver from last year. Also led the team with three interceptions and whatnot, you know. Baron Holman, he's a he's a solid receiver, you know, but I think he's an even better cornerback. He's probably somebody that we're going to keep our eyes on when it comes to top five senior like DBs, cornerbacks uh, for this year, because this dude could hit. You know, he's a very physical cornerback. He goes for the ball, obviously. But, uh, you know, as a DB, he comes up consistently and lays out players. You know, that's just who he is. He's somebody who's going to be big time for this defense for sure. You know, we're looking at squads with um, great running backs. 
you know, well, I would say a lot of the best squads that we have on here have great running backs. And so you need to have great defensive players that can match that physicality. So I like a Baron Holman against a Kelton Turner against a Jeremiah Leaper, some of these other great running backs uh, on this 1A level. You know, he's he's a he's a pretty invaluable piece on this defense, I will say, you know, great cover guy but also a great hitter. And so I think that's someone that you got to keep an eye out for. I think between him and Mason Clanch, these are their two star players. And you could kind of build around that. Uh, my, I guess, concerns are my biggest concerns. They aren't losing a lot, but they are losing kind of two key players. Uh, number one, starting quarterback McKay Russell. I believe here, let me pull up his stats. I believe he threw for 13 touchdowns, six interceptions, had a, you know, smooth 893 yards at a completion percentage of uh, 65, which is pretty good. You know, that's kind of tough. You know, uh, that's, you know, that's not the most efficient, but that's pretty efficient. I would say, you know, his seniority definitely showed there. And so I definitely wonder if that will be a problem, um, problem for centauri moving forward having to replace that quarterback obviously they do have more time having played in the fall last year but uh, i don't know we'll see you know um it's real easy to kind of just hone in on one running back i look at a team like meeker who has like a million defensive linemen and you know you just throw all those guys at him and don't have a passing game you kind of get yourself into some tough situations there um which eh, we'll see you know and then the other one they're losing their biggest player, at least listed-wise. Hunter Bergeron, he played offensive line, defensive line, obviously, <laughs> at 6'1", 265. Hunter Bergeron at 6'1", 265. Biggest dude on the line, played tackle, uh, offensive tackle as well. I, it's hard to replace 6'1", 265. And just looking at the roster for this next season, they don't really have a guy that's kind of near that now. That may not, you know, size isn't everything, you know, listed size isn't everything and all that. That's for sure. But, you know, it definitely helps to just have a big board to throw in there and be like, hey, just please uh, absorb <laughs> absorb the defensive tackle. You don't even have to block him well. Just be in the way and be like a 265-pound weight, you know what I mean? And uh, we'll, we'll go from there, right? We'll go from there. And so... Um, that's definitely tough. And so kind of losing those two key players, um, kind of the same, I guess, concerns here that I had for Meeker. Who's going to be, I guess, that third guy to kind of bring it up? Because, you know, it's one thing to have a great running back and receiver, but, you know, automatically the receiver is kind of, I, I don't know. I don't want to say that the receiver is like automatically canceled out if you don't have a quarterback but if you don't have a quarterback that could get the ball to the receiver we have some problems you know um so that's definitely my biggest concern there and to be honest with you they might not even get challenged to the playoffs and so that's probably like a you know that's a future problem right yeah plus it also depends on how many snaps they have shawcroft they're they're you know, quarterback in the wings uh, plays on defense as well. Because if you look at it, they didn't really play their, they didn't play um, uh, Russell too much on the defensive side of the ball. So if they do the same thing with Shawcroft, they're going to be losing a lot of tackles for loss, actually. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll see what they decide to do there. But you know, this is this is optimistic. Cody Stafford putting a vote of confidence in Shawcroft, who you know up until this point has been a great athlete 
for this Centauri team, and hopefully, you know, they'll coach them up. It doesn't look like they ask too much of their quarterbacks. I mean, two to one TD to INT ratio. Um, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure they could swing that. Yeah. So, and, and I assume that they'll be running, or at least I would definitely be running some RPOs here with uh, Shawcroft and, you know, give him chances at the open field as well, being the athlete that he is. No, for sure. Um, either way, though, we could both agree that this is a team that will probably make the playoffs, uh, if not make it with an undefeated record, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, well, we'll just have to see. I think... I don't know. I, I could see them making it for sure. It just, I guess, depends on the quarterback play. Like, you know, can he get off to a good start and whatnot? I think the biggest key to success when it comes to this Centauri squad is like, all right, you know, you have a couple, you definitely have a couple teams on here that you are just better than, you know, we'll just say that, right? Um, not going to name them because that's kind of disrespectful, but you are just better than some of these teams. During those games, you need to build confidence, man. Like, uh, if not build confidence, you need to learn something and, like, kind of get up to speed. Because as we saw in these playoffs from last year, and it's probably going to be a little bit different this year. But, you know, a lot of teams, um, looking at Strasburg specifically, dominated easily. You know, they dominated easily during the regular season. Weren't really tested at all. Didn't really have anything to measure up to. Then they hit the playoffs uh, you're kind of in panic mode once you hit playoffs. It kind of looked like in panic mode at times, and it's like, all right, you know, we never really been challenged, so we just got to play our best, you know, and uh, just go from there. But if that's all you have, is that all you have about Centauri? Yeah, you want to transition us to the next team, and I'll talk yeah. about their schedule. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, so this next team is a team that I think you and I both picked to be contenders. <sighs> There's definitely an argument for them to be the pick, to be the state champion, I will say. But that is Buena Vista. Cody, do you want to go ahead and read off their schedule for this next year? Absolutely. And I will I will build off of what Simon said and say I was definitely going back and forth for Buena Vista to be my championship team and my pick. You know, ultimately, Simon and I both agreed that we went with the quote-unquote safe choice. However, neither of us will be surprised if Buena Vista walks away with, with some rings this year. But anyways, they open up their season on the 26th against Salida. Then they play Banning Lewis Academy, who is returning some cats on the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, that consistency that we always talk about. Then they face Bennett, who's also kind of in a similar boat. Peyton, then Meeker, which is, you know, probably their biggest challenge up until that point, or their, or quote-unquote, should be their only challenge up until that point. Then St. Mary's, who was a, you know, playoff team last year. Rye, Colorado Springs Christian, and ending the season with a non-league game, actually, against Florence. So, you know, that's definitely a, a schedule buffer down there as long as Florence is as good as they usually are. So, Simon, do you have any raw reactions to this schedule that, you know, isn't the toughest schedule that we've seen, but, you know, certainly has some games to circle on your calendar and, you know, tell us a little bit about Buena Vista. Yeah, no, for sure. So, first things first, Banning Lewis Academy, they are a second or third year program. 
they're down here in Colorado Springs. Um, actually, in my in the old school district that I used to teach in, so I'm very familiar with them. I know their coach and whatnot. Um, they're a pretty well coached squad. Actually, their coach used to coach me in high school <laughs> over at Liberty, so I, I know the dude pretty well. I know his offense and his defense. Um, and for a starting program, you know, I I don't want to pick them to make the playoffs quite yet but that's definitely a team that can be a borderline playoff team this year if not a team that surprises a lot of teams this year so they're no slouch for sure uh meeker and florence two playoff teams at least two teams i feel like will make the playoffs i believe florence will probably make it as well um don't have them on here as contenders but uh they'll definitely test one of vista i wouldn't say those are toss-up games i personally believe that those are two games they should win um just being honest i could definitely see buena vista winning if it's not the other team that we're going to talk about it should be this team and if they don't you know you know we'll we'll, we'll look back at that you know when whenever the season's over we'll do our reactions to um these uh, predictions and whatnot and we'll look back at it look at what actually happened break it down from there but you know let me talk about why buena vista is that squad i kind of already have we kind of already have uh earlier on but you know they did lose to manitou springs by three in the second round um this was a more complete manitou springs that had all of their hoopers in there including that big old six seven wide receiver who i mean i don't you just can't guard like they're double teaming the dude i don't know what else you could have wanted to you could have done but it just was what it was you know um and he was like a first-year football player too, so that that's kind of a fluke. Uh, but this year, they're probably in some eyes a favorite to win it. Uh, I'm a little surprised. There are some, you know, uh, news outlets out there that don't even have Buena Vista in their top five teams in one A. That's interesting. I don't think that's it at all. This is a very talented squad. Uh, first off, I gotta talk about the quarterback Hayden Camp. You know, 11 touchdowns, two interceptions, also had six rushing touchdowns as well. Was a sophomore last year, Hayden Camp? Yes, he was a sophomore last year. Um, but, you know, he's a junior this year. He is considered to be probably one of the best, if not the best, returning quarterback on the 1A Colorado level. I expect him to have a big season. To be honest with you, if Hayden Camp develop or okay if Hayden Camp developed his game and takes a step forward this could definitely unlock a whole other gear to this offense you know they played well last year they could play even better uh this year if Hayden Camp figures it out and becomes a dominant quarterback which he can be you know um so yeah that for sure um, but Hayden Camp, I think that's definitely a name to look out for. I'll go ahead and name other impact players. There are two receivers. Uh, number one, Tucker Storms, probably a, you know, potential 1A Colorado football player of the year type of guy. Not only did he leave, lead the team in receiving categories last year, but he's probably the best athlete on the team in the right system. As in, you know, if Hayden Camp figures it out and Buena Vista continues to develop, he's easily a thousand yard, 10 touchdown a year type of guy, probably even more um, at safety. He is a very athletic, rangy safety as well. Could play man, could play zone uh, and is probably a depoy candidate, defensive player of the year candidate going into this next year. He's just one of those stars that is um, that is just dynamic 
on offense and defense. And so you got that guy for sure. You got a uh, class of 23 running back. So he's going to be a junior running back slash wide receiver. You know, he caught the ball a little bit. Jacob, Bil- uh, what does that say? Jacob Phelps. Sorry. Uh, Jacob Phelps. He was the lead rusher for the squad. 400 yards, four touchdowns. Not bad, but was also the second leading receiver um, on the squad. He's a do-it-all back. Like, just watching those dudes film, he's not afraid to hit either. He's a very solid blocker, a very aggressive blocker. Reminds me a lot of a Sean Kidd type. You could catch, you could run, who could block, do what he needs to do to get it done. And, you know, when he runs, too, he just runs in a physical manner. He's looking to punish somebody. Like, you watch this dude get the ball, he's actively looking to punch somebody in the face. Because he also has one of the nastiest stiff arms there. Runs low to the ground, so he breaks a lot of tackles, you know. He's just somebody that you gotta bring it to this dude. Or he's gonna bring it to you, because he's looking to beat you up. He's gonna be the aggressor on offense, and he's probably somebody who can be a workhorse type of back. And he's due for a big season, in my opinion. Uh, Didn't have the best stats last year, uh, partly because, you know, he was a sophomore. He was figuring out all that great stuff. But this year, I, you know, all bets are down. You know, he could be one of the best guys on the 1A level. He's probably another potential player of the year type cody have you seen this guy's film yet no i have not seen his film yet but i i see the impact that he has as far as you know that you know that prototype of some of the best 1a backs who can really run and catch at the same time and you know just be an overall contributor to to this offense and you know honestly take a that was only as a sophomore too so yeah. i figure as a junior you know he could take massive strides and you know like you said, be a potential, you know, uh, I think he could be potentially the best player on this team. And that's including Hayden camp. So, Oh, absolutely. You know, um, uh, obviously, you know, he's probably a workhorse type of guy. I mean, you just watch him play. There aren't, there just aren't a lot of backs just in the state of Colorado that are built like this dude that runs like him kind of gives off Austin Eckler vibes back when he was with Eden. If I'm being completely honest, you know, just one of those guys who's going to be a workhorse type of guy. Um, he's going to be a threat as a defense. You can't just ignore this dude because he's going to set the tone against you and continue to do that. You know, um, he's a very aggressive football player, the type that you need to have. If you're going to make a run him alone could probably like, he could probably bring this team to a state championship game. If not get close to it, like imagining this dude behind a meeker offensive line would be pretty insane. That, that would be a team that would just beat you up, you know? And then, Last but not least, we have class of 22 linebacker slash guard Seth Moss led the team with 40 tackles, uh, 40 tackles. Sorry. He is a very solid defensive player, does a lot on defense, um, pretty good in the past game. You know, he had some plays there. He's active, very good in the run game. You know, he fills, uh, fills a lot of those openings and whatnot, does his job well. He's just a classic glue guy. You know, you will take that step forward as a playmaker on defense. He's kind of the leader of your defense here if you are Buena Vista. And so really, you know, Buena Vista, not losing a lot. I mean, you're losing Brandon Cattell, their uh, starting running back. But I think this is just my opinion. I think Jacob Phelps is a better back than Brandon Cattell. And it's pretty obvious. You know, you're losing Luke Revis starting center slash defensive line, Jacob Monreal as well. But I, 
other than that, you know, they're returning a lot of players here. And, you know, they're returning a lot of potential star players as well. This is a team that has two or three guys who can be player of the year types, at least in my opinion. Um, Cody, feel free to dispute that. But uh, go ahead and give me your opinion on Buena Vista here. Why do you have them picked as one of your contenders? We'll see. I'm not going to dispute you, but I am going to add on some details. You know, they are losing their starting center, but it looks like they have a lot of guys listed here who can play center and or interior line, including Seth Moss, who you talked about, who was the leading tackler for this team. And I could see him putting in work on the other side of the ball. And it looks like they recently just got this this cat, you know, well, I guess not recently. He's going to be a junior, but Kent Putman who is six foot one, 310 pounds, uh, listed to play O-line and D-line. And then Ooh. as far as other size goes, they have, um, you, they have, you know, like I said, Seth Moss. And, you know, some of these weights are definitely a little outdated, I think. I think that some of these guys definitely gained some size. You have uh, Chris DeLuca on the defensive line, who is 5'10", 175 at DN. I think that, you know, by by season start you know i could see him being 180 185 pounds which is great to have hayden camp is also a solid contributor on the defensive side of the ball so i think that they have a very high powered offense and they have a lot of returning players on defense their top three tacklers are returning if i remember correctly being you know they have obviously seth moss and then it looks like Ethan Flavin or Flavin, not really sure how that's said, as well as Elijah Evans. So, you know, they're they're returning a lot of tackles. They're returning a lot of tackles for loss on the defensive side of the ball. And I think, you know, they're in a very similar spot. They're not returning as many players as Centauri, uh, but they are returning a lot of defensive snaps and a lot of tackles on the defensive side of the ball. And I can see them taking another step forward on the defensive side of the ball. They have some pretty good size on the D-line. They have some pretty good size on the O-line, which obviously opens up more opportunities for, you know, that running back and in, in Phelps who can also catch. And I think that, you know, Hayden Camp, if he takes another step forward, you know, he could also be uh, a player of the year. So they have... That's the difference between, you know, Buena Vista and what makes them such a strong contender compared to some of these other teams is they have multiple candidates for, you know, 1A player of the year, I'd say. And that's what makes them so scary. They're returning almost the same team, really, other than a couple of players that Simon mentioned, you know, some some receivers and some running backs. But they weren't the leading receivers or running backs anyway. So, you know, I'm pretty sure that they'll be able to to fill those gaps somehow and, you know, just be an, an electric offense that's going to score a lot of touchdowns and hopefully a defense that that can step forward. And, you know, that their last loss was to a 2A state champ who's actually a 2A team. So I don't think that's a terrible loss to have. And, you know, I think that they should be very confident heading into this next season on competing with our you know, predicted state champion. Simon, do you have anything else to add on to Buena Vista before we transition? Yeah, my only thing about them, um, well, not only thing, they, I'll just be honest, they look a lot like Strasburg's team last year. They have a running back, they have a receiver, um, they have a linebacker, they have a quarterback, you know, they have a lot of the things that Strasburg had that made it that far. The difference is, I think they're, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you could argue this. I think their schedule is probably a little bit more uh, 
I think it's a little bit more challenging than Strasburg's schedule was last year, if I'm being completely honest. I mean, just looking up their schedule, um, Platt, Platt Canyon, Prospect Ridge Academy, Banning Lewis, Bennett, Jefferson, The Pinnacle, Meeker was probably one of their bit. Okay. Oh, wait, no, that was in the playoffs. So so th- those ones that I just said were all the regular season games. Then they played Meeker, Centauri, and Wyman. Um, in the regular season, they did not beat a team by less than 40 points. I don't think that's going to be the case with Buena Vista here. I think they're going to be a high-powered offense. But, you know, you see a Meeker, you see a Florence. It's like, okay, there's no way that you're going to win by 40 to 50, right? And so I think my biggest thing with a Buena Vista is just, like, be ready, you know? And then what you do play, uh, the eventual or the guys that you probably think you're going to play and the guys that I think everyone is thinking that we're going to pick as the, you know, next state champion for this season – you just gotta bring it, you know. Can't be afraid and whatnot. On offense, you gotta be ready to play. I think the difference is that you kind of got you kind of got a guy in Jacob Phelps who doesn't care, you know. He's gonna hit you, you know. Just watching his game against SS Park, like there are dudes who are trying to bring it, but like throughout the game, he just kept getting stronger and stronger. And you know, I think that's kind of a energetic point that Strasburg just didn't have in them. And so I think that's the difference between them and Buena Vista. It might be personal for some, but that's just how I see it. So, yeah. Very quick honorable mention, by the way, uh, on, on a team who could sneak into the playoffs and maybe make some noise. We've talked about them a couple of times, but the Hollyoke Dragons, you know, with that with that two or three star linebacker that they have. And uh, Simon, you said that there's like three brothers on this team. And uh, yeah. Well, yeah, basically. They all have the same last name. Well, a, you know, we would guess. <laughs> we would guess three brothers on this team that, that may carry Hollyoke into the playoffs. But I don't see them contending for a state title, personally. Um, probably not. Wanted to shout them probably out not. really quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll probably make the... They should make the playoffs, in my opinion. Um, They should make the playoffs. <sighs> I don't think they'll make it to state, but I think they have maybe one playoff upset in them. One. So depending on who they draw, of course. Yeah. No, for sure. Oh, by the way, the head coach of uh, this Holy Oak team has the same last name too, so maybe that explains a lot there. But oh, <laughs> <laughs> so you have like five of them on this squad, basically. But yeah, you know. Holy Oak is playing uh, family football, and it's working. I'd say. Yeah, that'll be uh that'll be an interesting storyline to follow, but uh we won't talk about them too much. Coming up next, we're gonna talk about our number one contender for 1A Colorado football. And it's not a surprise. Hello y'all and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. We are finally back talking about, you know, this 21 season of football. You know, this fall season, and we already talked about, just as a recap, we summed up last year's 1A slash 2A combined playoffs and the 1A teams in the spring and fall, talked about what they did in the playoffs, where they are now, and then in the last segment, if you missed it, we were talking some contenders, including the likes of Meeker, Centauri, and Buena Vista, and this segment, Simon and I actually agree on who the state champ is supposed to be. And I'm pretty sure that this comes as no surprise, having won the last three championships and hoping to four-peat 
and increase the you know Colorado record for most state championships is Lyman High School, obviously in Lyman, Colorado, you know, place of lots of legends and you know great players who've gone on to to do great things and you know and uh, see if they can four peat. So Simon, you mind if I talk about their last year's schedule and what they did real quick as a quick reminder? I know we talked about it in the first segment and then kind of look ahead to the future here. Yeah. Also, is it surprising to you that the address for Lyman High School is 912 Badger Way? Because <laughs> the mascot's the Badgers. That's why. No, not, not because it's random. No, I, I get it. I get it. I, just, I don't know. Schools do that quirky stuff all the time. I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't. I didn't see Buena Vista or Centauri or any of these other teams having that. And those are well, pretty small. Okay. Well, none of them have 20 state championships, so. No, okay. <laughs> when you, when you I don't win think Cherry state... Creek has that either. They might have a Cherry Creek way. I, I have to double check that. Okay, well, whenever we get to, we're going to keep an eye right, on. I guess it would be like presence. Bruins way or something. But, oh. and Cherry Creek no. don't have 20 either. <laughs> I know, I'm just, they're probably <laughs> the next closest. But whatever, here, go on, go on, uh, sorry. I, I love it though. No, this in. Badger way. <laughs> well, talking about those Badgers, um, these are the teams that they waxed last season. You know, they won 40-0 against Yuma, 35-0 against Highland, 42-7 Colorado Springs Christian, 42-12 Wiggins, 41-15 Hollyoke in the playoffs. Their closest game all year was Ray at 24-14, you know. But as Simon mentioned that first segment, in case you missed it, it did sound like Lyman was in control essentially that whole game. And then they absolutely, oh man, they, they embarrassed Strasburg 28-0 in the state championship and route to their third state title. Looking ahead, I'd say that they're, but anyways, um, coming up, I'd say that they're scheduled this year. Uh, looks a little bit harder, in my opinion, at least as far as the regular season goes. You're going to see some very familiar faces, but they open up the year against Meeker, who they didn't get a chance to play against last year. And Simon and I already talked about this is, you know, Meeker is a fellow contender and easily, fairly easily, in our opinion, a playoff team, r- regardless of the pieces that they're losing and gaining. Then they face Strasburg at home, you know, so they they can remind Strasburg what's up. In, unless, you know, this could be a statement game for Strasburg to say, hey, like, we haven't forgotten. So, you know, I think there's going to definitely be some sort of competitiveness to this, but I don't know if it's going to be one side or both sides. Then they got Bennett, Coleridge, Yuma again, and then Burlington, who's actually, you know, a pretty consistent program. They didn't make the playoffs this last year. It might have been a bit of a down year, but overall, one of the more dominant programs in Colorado football history, uh, just in case you didn't know. And then they also have Ray as one of their league games during the regular season this year, Hollyoke, and closing the season against Wiggins. So, Simon, you, you graduate Corey Taha, a local legend here. Why is there no need to panic for Lyman, and why are they going to four Yeah, so... First off, uh, reacting to their regular season schedule. If this was last year, this would definitely be a tougher schedule. This year, I mean, you have Strasburg. Obviously, they made state, but... Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Strasburg real quick here. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs at all. 
<laughs> this next year. I think they're just losing a little bit too much, and it's understandable. Cody, is that fair to say that Strasburg will probably not make the playoffs? Well, just just for some context, Strasburg's schedule, they face a lot of contenders this year. And we already talked about, you know, some of the issues that they're going to be facing, losing their, you know, two leading backs, their leading receiver, and, you know, their, their starting quarterback on top of the fact that they have to face, you know, Lyman, Centauri, and, you know, Flatirons, as well as Estes Park. So, honestly, they have probably at least four losses on this schedule. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it, it's just going to be too much. Yeah, so... Uh, to be honest with you, Meeker's probably, I, I would say, uh, their biggest um, their biggest test to start the season, which isn't a bad thing. Even if you drop the game, you know what's one loss. You know, other than that, they are very much they are very much in the driver's seat of this thing. Um, I think it's important to keep in mind that, and I don't know, I think players across the state in one A might not say this. Coaches probably wouldn't say this, but they would probably acknowledge it. But there's definitely a Lyman legacy here um, that is kind of preceding this football team. You know, when you go to Lyman and play them, when you when Lyman comes to you and you play them, you know, they have a legacy of winning. They have a legacy of beating down on all these 1A teams. And, you know, like you said, they could probably go up to 2A, but... Also, just on paper, it doesn't look like they're like the most like, you know, stacked squad of all time either, you know, but they are very well coached. They have a great system They have, all these players have come up through the Lyman football program system since like elementary school. Uh, Corey Taha, he's talked about that playing with a lot of these guys since then, um, you know, they have like one squad out there really. Uh, so there's really no surprises here that they are here they're just a very tight-knit group you know that's gonna you know that's gonna probably for pete um and it is you have some different faces here but you have the same dominance and that's important to keep in mind and so you know, here are some of the faces of this lyman team that will continue to uphold that lyman legacy uh jeremiah leaper Running back, linebacker, class of 22. Uh, he will be a senior this year. Even last year with star running back Corey Taha, Jeremiah led the backfield in touches and stats. You know, he can be the player of the year this year and is easily one of the best football players in the state of Colorado. Um, also, as a linebacker as well, you got to keep in mind, he did shut down Tristan Graff and a tough Strasburg squad in the in the state championship game. If I'm not mistaken, I want to say he had an interception in that game as well as, you know, a score. And so he's just as impactful on offense as he on defense. He's just a great athlete. They're not losing firepower on O with Jeremiah here. Uh, now, you know, maybe you could say like, all right, well, they're not as powerful with Corey Taha. Yes. Uh, but, you know, I would say even then they were a little bit too stacked at the running back spot because you know there's only one ball so who's gonna get the ball and whatnot and so i think jeremiah leaper here he's not the same player as Corey taha i wouldn't say he's as strong or as strong of a receiver at least in jump ball situations but he's a little bit more shifty a little bit faster he's somebody that can make it happen still in the backfield and kind of be that workhorse the other guy in the backfield with him slash in the secondary as well uh trey hines i think he's somebody who 
you know, a lot of people are regarding as one of the best quarterbacks returning. I think between him and Hayden Camp, those are the two best quarterbacks returning on the 1A level. And so he's going to be a senior this year, so class of 22. Um, returning as a quarterback and leader of the defense, you know, having a veteran presence here is huge, especially losing a four-year varsity starter in Corey Taha, you know. Um, he's a big reason why I believe this team can win it all again. You know, it helps to have a quarterback with playoff experience. And as of right now, on this 1A level, I think as far as quarterbacks go, he has the most playoff experience in general. He's, I think this is his either second or third year starting at quarterback, uh, four years starting at quarterback. And so that's big time, you know, that you can't just ignore that you know um especially on this 1a level there aren't a lot of great passers but i think he can be a very good passer despite playing in a run heavy offense and also he could run as well definitely a threat to run it a lot uh, i think his game's a lot like colin russell but doesn't make as many mistakes as colin russell um quarterback for strasburg last year he plays a pretty uh you know pretty clean game and then you know defensively he's a beast he covers the uh, back end of this defense uh, picked off Colin Russell twice in the state championship game, both pretty insane interceptions and um, did show that he was a central part of this defense. He's a good safety as well. Uh, Loki could probably make it to the next level to the college level as a safety. Um, and, you know, he'll just make teams pay for throwing it his way. You know, he has fantastic hands. He's somebody that'll go up there and get it, be aggressive, be a leader on this defense. And so I think Trey Hines is definitely somebody along with Jeremiah Leeper, who I would say has, you know, player of the year potential. But Leeper is going to have better stats. And so that's why I, I see him more as that guy, you know. And then um, last but not least, Chance Cannon offensive or he was a guard a such d lineman he will be a senior this year um very important part of this offensive line last year probably one of their best linemen if not their best lineman and him returning gives lineman stability on the line for at least one more year um he was just one of the most dominant dudes in the trenches in 1a last year on the defense defensive line he brings a pretty good presence there despite only being like 5'9 225 pounds he makes it work you know, he's he's a little animal out there. He makes it work for sure. Um, gives off, uh, oh my God, the vibes of that one lineman from Alabama, from Escambia Academy. How come I can't think of his name? Fountain? Yeah, Troy Fountain vibes. Very big Troy Fountain vibes here with Chance Cannon, I would say. Uh, so you can make do with a line around him. You know, even if you don't have the most experience with the other four offensive linemen, you know you have at least one good one in Chance Cannon who could neutralize one of the threats on opposing defensive lines. Now, when you hit a beaker and you have two big boys up front, and you know you gotta at that point, that's kind of where uh, they may run into some trouble. I would say, you know, they're losing a couple big time linemen here that will, you know, be impactful. For the squad moving forward i think that's definitely something to keep in mind if they don't make it to state or if they don't win state it will be because of the inexperience of their line you know you have john jacklich starting a uh, guard you have trey jeffries carson schmidt as well who are linemen um for this defensive line and offensive line as well so 
you know, not only are you losing Corey Taha, and I guess you're losing Alex Carr too. He was statistically the leading receiver with 268 yards and four receiving touchdowns. But oh, and sorry, in corner uh, Camden Smithsburg. But you are losing a lot of linemen here. I would say that's probably their weakest spot for the squad. That's probably the spot that you want to attack if you are other teams. Cody, agree, disagree? What do you think about this Lyman team? Uh, why are they your pick to win it all? Well, I'm going to build off of some things that you, that you talked about, some concerns first before talking about why I like them so much. Not only are you losing a lot of these snaps on the offensive line, but you're losing a lot of snaps on defense. You know, talking about uh, John Jacklich here, he was their fourth leading tackler. Yeah, they're actually losing four of their top five tacklers were seniors this past year, including Alex Carr, Jacklich, Taha, and Cason uh, Schmidt as well. So you're losing a lot of snaps on defense. You have a lot of these younger guys that are going to be asked to step up. You're losing a lot of tackles for loss too. So, you know, you, you really start to have to lean on, you know, your hinds of the world and your leapers to step up, not only and fill that void on the offensive side of the ball, but also on the defensive side of the ball and, you know, continuing like that's a lot. They're losing over a hundred in like 20 tackles this year. So that's never any good. And they're losing over 10 tackles for loss as well. So, you know, that's going to be tough to replace on the defensive side of the ball. And Jack Litch, you know, he's a very physical player who, you know, was like 6'4". And, you know, I don't think his listed weight is correct here on Max Preps. It says 165. He definitely looks more like a 175, maybe even a 180 kind of guy who is just a very physical presence on that D-line. So, you know, those are some more concerns that I might have for Lyman. But someone who I want to talk about I that I don't think you mentioned yet, maybe you did, but that's Kai Bandy. The, you know, he's going to be a senior linebacker slash running back this year in very limited opportunities out of the backfield last year. He did a pretty good job. He averaged over five yards per carry and he also collected three touchdowns. So, you know, I think that he can kind of, you know, they kind of almost have like this step up kind of program where, you know, Leaper is going to continue to be that top back. But I think Bandy could could fill in very well and be that complimentary back, you know, that second back. It looks like he's a very direct runner, if that makes sense. So kind of just like beeline straight for the hole. He's going to run wherever you point him to run towards. So, you know, that that's a good thing. He's kind of a bruising back. So hopefully that helps kind of lighten the physicality that you lose with Corey Taha. And then on top of that, he was also their leading tackler this past season with like 77 tackles, I want to say. And, you know, a, a couple of tackles for loss. So I think that Bandy takes a huge step forward here for this Lyman team and steps into, you know, one of those more prominent roles and just in general makes this Lyman team better and helps kind of lighten the burden of losing so many players. So I, I really like Kai Bandy coming into this next year. And then, you know, I want to talk about, obviously, you know, you have, <clears throat> you have Leap, Leaper here, who I think, you know, uh, on top of having a great performance last year and having to share the rock with, with a local legend in Corey Taha, he's going to just continue to get better with more touches, I think. And, you know, with Trey Hines, I think that, you know, he, there's definitely some room for improvement. I, I think that his completion percentage is a bit concerning, 
But I think if you really want to cement your status as the contender, you kind of let uh, you kind of let Hines take over a little bit more and, you know, give him a little bit more autonomy and just see what he can do. And, you know, something else that I really like about this Lyman team is that their backup um, Rockwell has also performed pretty OK. Not the best completion percentage once again, but also not throwing an interception last year and three touchdowns. So. You know, you have insurance, which is something that we haven't talked about with a lot of these teams is the depth, right? Because you and I know better than anybody, football is very rough, very aggressive sport. So at any moment, you know, you need that next guy to step in. I think that Lyman has the next guy to step in at quarterback, who's going to be better than a lot of other quarterbacks at 1A who are even starting. And on top of that, they also have that next guy up at running back in in Kai Bandy and you know, I, I think that they just have options, which is really nice to have uh, as far as, you know, the, the two kind of positions on offense that can take over a game up that 1A level and be the difference between you winning, winning or losing. Um, Yeah, so so I really like the depth that they have. And then obviously just the talent in general that they have, I think, is a very strong point for Lyman to be the contenders this year. And then, you know, lastly, I just kind of want to talk about I so I worked with somebody who who's from Strasburg, right? So they followed the, you know, Strasburg season and everything. And he, he told me like, yeah, we've been getting our butts kicked by the Tahas for years. So, you know, it was no surprise that we got steamrolled by Lyman. And, you know, if that's like a former resident, you know, somebody who doesn't even. Well, I mean. Yeah, they don't actively live in Strasbourg. If that's the mentality of somebody who had lived there for their entire life, I can only imagine what, you know, fellow 1A football players, coaches, and community members think of this Lyman team and just how dominant they are, not just in football, but in a handful of sports and just the athletes that they have. They A lot of teams kind of have that opinion that Lyman is just better. They are just more talented. And so Lyman in some kind of way has domesticated 1A football in, into being their petting zoo. And I think that, you know, that kind of reputation and that culture that they've built, not only for themselves, but in 1A football is monumental to forpeating and, you know, continuing to increase the number of state titles that they have. Simon, what do you think of that kind of, you know, inside culture thoughts from surrounding areas and competing schools, as, as well as, you know, the uh, Kai dandies and the depths of the world. Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm glad you brought up Kai Bandy. Uh, I've definitely researched him. I just didn't talk about him, but he's uh, he's another guy who's a great athlete for them. And you know what? I, I agree uh, with what you had to say, you know, um, look, when you're dominant for this long, teams start figuring out like, yo, uh, there's a reason they're this good. It, you know, when you're dominant for this long, eventually you get to the point where it's like, they're just built like that, you know? Um, Lyman, I want to say, has probably won a state champion, state championship in every decade <laughs> this school has been around, which is kind of wild when you really think about it, you know, but when you have teams like alignment that are this dominant, you kind of have that Alabama effect, right? Even when they are not better than you and, you know, players, they'll realize that uh, when they hit the field with them coaches, they'll realize that uh, when they hit the field with the, with those fellow coaches, but even the, when they're not better than you, they still play better than you, 
you know so they don't have to have the biggest stars or anything like that you know there are going to be guys all around this team that are going to step up they may not be stars on this squad but they're going to be key contributors to this team you got 11 dudes on the field you have 11 key contributors that's how it works when you have as dominant of a program as Lyman does you know you find ways to get guys into the right position to do what they got to do to win you know that's just what it is you do what you got to do to win and you don't think about it after that when you are as dominant as Lyman and you know that's definitely an intimidating factor you know you got plenty of teams I'm sure who are going to come out see Lyman on their schedule and they're already in their head you know Lyman's already absolutely and they're like okay you know I guess we gotta play Lyman again and you know what they don't even have a Corey Taha year they this year they don't have like a bunch of linemen but they're still going to be hitting this field thinking this is still this alignment squad when they see those all black jerseys this is still that lineman badger squad that's going to come to town and and beat my squad and there's nothing i could do about it and so that's definitely a, a factor that you got to keep in mind here when they play now some opposing teams aren't going to like to hear that but you know at the end of the day you know who cares who you play when you hit the field you gotta have the mentality that you know they're hitting your field that you run this squad you run this game and you know you gotta do what you gotta do they're just another squad and i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of teams that are gonna want to preach that but, you know, just because you preach it doesn't mean it's going to happen. You know, it's a mental thing. And I think that's uh, that's uniquely probably the biggest reason, one of the big, biggest reasons why we are picking Lyman to be the state champs in Colorado on the 1A level this year. These next four teams or whatever, at least four teams that we're going to pick to win 2A, 3A, 4A, 5A in Colorado are not going to have the same factor, at least in my opinion, that Lyman does. So there you go. Maybe I mean, maybe Cherry Creek or Valor, but even then, there's some vulnerability to that this year. We'll just say that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, altogether, though, 1A football, there's some guys on this level, you know. Um, people don't right. think a lot about Colorado football in general, but, uh, you know, it starts with depth, you know, having dudes on each level. And on the 1A level, there's definitely some dudes here could, who could at least play on the D2 level, maybe walk on at a high-level FCS Maybe, but we'll just have to see. Yep. Right, Cody? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else to add on? Any other teams you want to mention? I feel like we've covered our bases. We talked about Strasburg. Uh, talked briefly about Holyoke. I mean, they're, um, they're a good squad. Um, it'll actually be insane if that Miles Sprague kid leads them to the state championship game, but I could see it happening in an instant because it's you know 1a football <laughs> so that's that's what i mean there uh but other than that i think we've talked about most of the teams here flat iron swell so yeah. yeah i was about to say um you know if if uh if centauri uh ends up in the state ship and, and they uh and, and they get a dub um mason clonch better come on the show <laughs> yeah we we've been rocking with you i mean like everyone been knew about lyman people been knew about buena vista but not not a lot of people know about centauri so um you know if that if that pans through or even meeker for example uh you know uh, we'd 
We'd love to be like, Ayo, check it out. <laughs> We've been new. Um, yes. But, uh, you know, that's kind of just how it goes. And stay tuned for 2A football. Well, all, all of them. 2A, 3A, 4A, 5A, not 8 or 6, man. Uh, apologies about that. And continue to be on the lookout. Uh, please send in your request via DMs to our Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook. And, um, yeah, thanks for rocking with us. And we're looking forward to this 21 season. It's all together this time. No spring season, I'm pretty sure. So well, right now, <laughs> well, as of now, as of now, uh, stay away from that Delta variant, get vaccinated um, get the Pfizer. and stay safe. Pfizer, Pfizer gang, Pfizer. Gang. Yeah, that's the one that's, uh, you know, the best against it. But either way, yeah, it's going to be a great year um, Two way football. A lot of interesting teams. A lot of the team. I'm not. I'm just gonna be honest. I I did all my research, or we did most of our research here. So, just gonna say this: there are definitely teams on the two A level that could compete on the three A level. Just gonna say that. But uh, be on the lookout for that. Thank you for rocking with us. Make sure you follow us on all of our social medias: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Am I forgetting one? That's pretty much it. Uh, check out our YouTube channel and, you know, stay tuned. We are getting a website put together. I'll just say that. Um, no promises on when that's going to come out, but it's getting put together. So there you go for more content there. But I have been one of your co-hosts, Simon Villanos. And I'm Cody Stoffer. Catch you next time. Peace.